Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, there's only one meaningful college football game left this season. Yeah, well, you're discounting the FCS championship game, but okay, that's fine. I am. I am, and I stand by that. Just ignore Bo Pelini looking for career redemption by taking Youngstown State to an FCS title. Youngstown State is always the champion. That's just what I learned from Jim Tressel. Well, not anymore, yeah. (laughs) The the Bison dynasty is finally over, so somebody else is going to win, apparently. I don't think that counts. Carson Wentz graduated, so I think anyone, you know, this season we can just throw out. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They they made it close to six in a row, but not quite. Well, the national title game is going to be Clemson, Alabama. You said last time we talked that you thought Clemson was the more talented team than Ohio State, and boy, did they show it. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out to be right. Yeah, yeah. Guess I'm glad I got that on the record because, uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, a surprise in how it went. You know. Looking back now, you know, you could kind of see some of the warning signs with Ohio State's offense toward the end of the year. You know, the Nebraska game, they put up a lot of points, but really from the Penn State game on, the one they lost, and then, you know, even the wins over Michigan State was ugly. The win over Michigan, you know, was was kind of a, a classic back and forth, but their offense struggled. Um, and boy, did it struggle, uh, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl. So, uh, yeah, the, the Urban Meyer, you know, great offense certainly wasn't there this year and and it came back to haunt them uh, Clemson's defense did a great job of taking away the stuff they did well and they really didn't have an answer I did see that Barrett announced he will return to Ohio State so which I think uh I'm not sure he needed to announce um I mean not you know like he's a great college player I don't know if he's really a great NFL prospect um and certainly on the heels of how he finished this year uh, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty easy choice for him. On the flip side, Alabama and Washington was the better game, um, <laughs> which doesn't mean it was a particularly good game. At least no. Washington had the lead at one point early. Yeah, yeah, they scored. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you would have uh, asked, you know, who's the most likely to get shut out of the four teams, you probably would have picked Washington. Um, yeah, they, you know, they scored first and and, you know, had had a little bit of life to him. Um, it seemed like from, you know, I, I didn't see much of the game, uh, but I was listening. It seemed like the fumble when it was tied at seven really sort of just shot any momentum that they had because Alabama went down, got a field goal. And then, it, you know, I don't think they crossed the 50 again until the very last possession of the game. Yeah, the Alabama defense finally, uh, you know, it, t- it was one of those things where giving up that touchdown appeared to be like the punch in the mouth and yeah. sometimes you get knocked out, but sometimes it's what focuses you. And as soon as yeah. they gave up that touchdown, it became very clear that they were no longer interested in toying with Washington or trying different things. You yeah. Know, a- yeah. Well, and, and you know, some of Washington's limitations offensively, just like Ohio state, you know, you, you could see him developing over the course of the year, the, the USC game, um, even the Colorado game where they, they, I think they scored 41 points, but you know, uh, I want to say one was, one was a defensive touchdown. I think another one was set up deep, you know, from, from a, a turnover. Um, they weren't great offensively in that game. And, uh, you know, you, you saw some, some alarming things that, that, you know, a defense like Alabama is, is obviously going to expose even more. And then th- the most interesting story came out on the Monday after the games. Lane Kiffin out 
as offensive coordinator immediately, replaced by Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. And initially, no one knew why. The story now that everyone seems to agree to, whether it's the true story or not, is that Kiffin and Saban agreed it'd be better for all programs for Kiffin to focus yeah. on Florida Atlantic. <laughs> But he's still, yeah. but he still wants to be in the booth for the game, uh-huh. if not the side. Saban quickly shut down that possibility. Uh, so yeah, that that certainly uh, makes me think uh, I'm not buying it. You know, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, attempt, but um, you know, if that had been the case, you would have done that before the before the semifinal. You know, he got this job what three or four weeks ago. You would have had more time to to make the switch and have a little, you know, stability before the peach bowl than before championship game seven days away. So, you know, and, and knowing, knowing the history of Lane Kiffin, I mean, everywhere he leaves, he leaves under, uh, bad terms. There's not a and, bridge you know, that he's, that he's going to leave no, untorched. No, on his I mean, this is, four, this is four in a row, you know, this is, you go back to the Raiders and the infamous Al Davis press conference with the overhead projector and where he just, you know, rolled over Kiffin on that. Tennessee leaving after one year um, and, and, you know, causing a lot of trouble in that one year. Uh, USC, obviously, the, you know, the firing at the airport after the, the beat down here in, in Tempe. And then and then this. So, I mean, four straight jobs. He's left under odd uh, negative circumstances. And, you know, if you're Florida Atlantic, you probably should be prepared that the same thing will happen to you. From the Alabama perspective, you have to wonder, you know, one of the things I heard that rang true to me this is going to be the first time in college that Jalen Hurts has heard a different voice yeah. in his headset and on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting, you know. Uh, you, 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 um, we've kind of come to accept that this Alabama machine is is unstoppable, and uh, you know, at some point, everybody you know hits a bump and can't come overcome that bump. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that this would be that you know the end of them, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly. You know, it can't help. I mean, I think PTI yesterday they had the discussion, and and Kornheiser, you know, said, you know, they asked, you know, does it help or hurt? Well, it's hard to say it can help. Maybe it has no effect, but how can it help? I mean, you know, you've had a one guy calling the plays now for three years, all year this year. You've um, won with a true every freshman game. quarterback, and you've won every game, <laughs> and, and so you know, it, it's it's hard to say it can help because because obviously, you know. Um, just like uh, remember the Titans, you know, maybe they're not perfect, but as a team, they're perfect. So, you know, changing coaches, you can't get any better than that. It, it makes it seem like, and we talked about this before, you know, when Kiffin took the job and we talked about that, mm-hmm. but it makes it seem like this Sarkeesian thing was all in the offing and Saban, yep. it, it, it almost took away whatever leash he felt like he had to give Kiffin. Cause I'm sure yeah, I, yeah. I, it doesn't feel like this is a Lane Kiffin decided, Hey, I think it's best for Florida Atlantic that I not coach not this all. game. Not at all. He's trying his best to get that spin out there, but no, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I think most reasonable people would look at this and say, you know, Nick Saban has been publicly um, critical of Kiffin in a way he hasn't been of any other coach. You know, you never saw, yes, Saban's a nasty guy, and he, you know, but you never saw Saban lay into Kirby Smart like he did Lane Kiffin this year. Never saw that. You know, you never saw it this year with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, so, I mean, you, you knew from the time they came together that these were two people who very likely, you know, maybe they'd have success together, but they weren't going to love working together. 
Um, and, and I think, you know, it, it reached its end this year. And, uh, and yeah, I think having Sarkeesian there from whatever it was, October, um, it was all, you know, lined up to, to make this switch. And, 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 uh, I think Saban had enough of Lane Kiffin being the center of attention the week of the Peach Bowl, uh, SI story and, and, you know, late for the bus and all those things. And I think he said, Hey, you know, nothing stops the Alabama machine, especially not Lane Kiffin. Well, and you can't really say that this was, you know, standard practice. Even if they had removed him before the bowl game, the first bowl game, it would have been awkward. But, you know, Kirby Smart was going to a rival school. Right. And he let him stay and finish coaching last year. He did. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, so, yeah, it's it's hard for me to believe the the spin. Um, You know, Saban, to his credit, has tried to not roll over the bus with him. but you know, you can, you get the feeling. Certainly, you know the the audio from yesterday when the question was asked. You know, well, Ames, you know, said he'd like to be in the press box, and Saban quickly said, "That's not something we're interested in." He didn't even give the polite, you know, well, it may not work with compliance and the rules, and we'll see. And you know, it was it was pretty quickly dismissed. So um, he's moving on, you know, and and Saban learned from Bill Belichick, who moves on. You know, that's that's what Belichick does. You, you know, you become. A problem you become a distraction and it's you know goodbye and we'll move on without you and you know that's that's the same mo that alabama's got there will be a cohesive playbook though at least because kiffin and sarkeesian both come from the usc school yeah they've done this dance before yeah yeah you know yeah sarkeesian I i think this is i think i heard this is the third job he's replaced kiffin at uh, you know, so yeah, he's, he's done this before. The interesting thing is, uh, you know, this offense that Alabama's running this year doesn't much resemble what USC had, you know, I mean, this is a running quarterback and, and a lot of spread, you know, hurry up type of stuff. I mean, this is not the Matt Liner, John David Booty, Mark Sanchez, Matt Barkley type of offense. So, you know, that doesn't mean Sarkeesian doesn't know it. Obviously he's been there for a couple of months, three months now, I think. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting cause this, this is very much different than what USC ran. I think that that makes what Lane Kiffin did this year so impressive. And what makes this transition so much more awkward is they always talk about a good coach adjust to his players. You, mm-hmm. you have your fundamental philosophies, but you adjust to the players. Yeah. Barnett was probably more the style of quarterback they were looking for, but Hertz yeah. clearly is, you know. Was the better fit for what they had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you uh, we, we talked about this. I think you know, month or so ago when Kiffin was interviewing for jobs, and um, you have to give the guy credit for as much as you can criticize about him. You know, in three years at Alabama, they were three very different offenses with what they did. Um, you know, they the first year was very Amari Cooper centered. He, you know, he set records for catches, and he got you know. The, the percentage of, of balls thrown to him was ridiculous. They, you know, they just, they centered around him. Last year it was Derrick Henry. You know, they fed him 40 times a game by the end of the year. Power running type of game with a, with a traditional, you know, pocket passing quarterback. And then this year was totally different. You know, a, a running quarterback who's, you know, not the passing threat that Coker was or that some of the past Alabama guys have been. Um, and, and they've, you know, they've really changed everything they've done again. So, but but you know in all three of those years it's worked you know they they were in the playoff they won the title and now they got a chance to win another one. 
they've been so physically dominant defensively. That was the thing that impressed me in that Washington game. Because Washington, like the Stanford teams of the past in the Pac-12, has really been able to physically impose itself on other Pac-12 teams. Yeah. And they ran into an Alabama defense that at one point just decided, okay, you're done running the ball. And that yeah. was it. They just couldn't yeah. move the ball on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nasty defense. It really is. You know, they they play very physical. They hit you hard. Um, you know, and, and they've got, you know, they got NFL players on that defense. They got, you know, we, we talked about this last time. They got guys who probably should be in the NFL. You know, they, they should have gone last year, but they didn't. And, and so, you know, you've got probably, you know, four or five, six NFL first round picks either this year or in the future on that defense. And the other guys, you know, are guys who will probably get drafted. A lot of them will. Um, it's loaded, you know, and it's, and it's well coached. I mean, Saban's always been a defensive guy. You know, that's, that's the big challenge for Clemson is, you know, they've got a better offense than what Alabama's faced most of this year, probably the best offense they face, but you know, you just, they're so good that can you, you know, can you score, you know, 28, 31 points on them? And maybe you don't have to, maybe their defense will play the way they did in the Fiesta Bowl and, and they can win a game 17 to 14, but that's that's a hard you know recipe to follow, and that Alabama defense is so opportunistic. And Clemson, at least in some games this year, has been very turnover yeah, prone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I've I've watched a lot of them this year, and you know, it's it's one of those where and the Fiesta Bowl was was kind of the same way. You know, you, you watch and you see, you know, Watson throws two picks in the first half, and if you weren't watching, you'd say, oh, guy, he's got to protect the ball." Well, you know, the first one receiver falls down. Second one is a it's a third down at the forty. You throw deep again. You know, great play by the Ohio State kid. You know, they weren't disastrous plays, um, but you know, it's just kind of been the way it's gone for them this year. That like the the mistakes they make, they're not getting away with. Sometimes you watch teams and it's like you know, man, that guy. You know, he threw three balls that should have been picked, and and two of them were dropped, and the other one you know got got tipped at the last second, and you don't have any turnovers. For Clemson, it's kind of been the opposite this year. Like the mistakes they make, they're they're uh, they're not escaping those. Which maybe the ball will bounce in their favor and they'll get some breaks against Alabama. It's just hard for me to see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it'll be a it'll be an interesting game. You know, you you look at um, rematches a lot, and and uh, even if the team that won the year before seems the overwhelming favorite, you know, you, you kind of have is there a motivation thing there? that plays in, I mean, remembering the NBA finals from this past year, you had, you know, Golden State won 73 games and how could they beat them? And then Cleveland beats them, you know, um, now it's a totally different thing. One game, college kids, you know, obviously different, different sport, different scenario, but you know, it, it makes you think maybe Clemson, you know, this is what they've been gearing for all year. We, we both said that all year that they, they look like they, you know, felt like they were owed a trip back to the title game. Well, they got it. You know, they escaped some games this year they probably shouldn't have. They played their best game in the Fiesta Bowl, and maybe maybe they're finally rounding into the form we expected. It should be a good game. I'm still taking Alabama. I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to be lower scoring than, you know, yeah, maybe you would year. expect. Based, yeah. yeah, based on how last year went. But I'm going to say Alabama 26. 24 17. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I, I picked the winner of Alabama, Washington in our pool. 
That's meaningless. Greg Powell won it. It doesn't count. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, although I will say we righted the ship a bit. We, we, you know, we, we made it a little more respectable than it was early on. We got some, we got some wins down the stretch that made us look a little better, but, uh, but uh, I'm going to go Clemson. I'm going to say the, the power of the rematch and turning things around and Deshaun Watson is going to be the difference. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think it will be lower scoring than last year. I don't think it'll be, you know, in the forties. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll go 21, 20 little drama. I like it. I don't think either team gets to 30 and you don't either. I, I, it, it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Alabama's defense is, is better than last year. It was good last year, but I think it's better. Um, and I think, uh, I think Clemson's defense is better than last year. You know, I, I always go back last year, you know, they got off to a pretty good start and I, I believe it was Mackenzie Alexander got hurt in the second quarter and it changed what they did and they couldn't, they couldn't stop giving up the big plays. OJ Howard killed him. Um, you know, and who knows, obviously, you know, that's the way it goes, but, um, you know, I, I think they're better prepared this year to to slow down Alabama's offense, which really, in all honesty, hasn't been great this year. It's been good, you know, and I'm certainly, you know, but it's it hasn't been super high powered. And now you change coordinators and you got a freshman quarterback and I think they can they can give them some problems. I wonder if Alabama has just always done enough this year they didn't oh, need they to do anything fancy they haven't they got yeah i mean they got a great defense that scored what 16 non-offensive touchdowns or something like that i mean it's it's ridiculous you know and and so the points they score look amazing but there have been games where you know and, and the the peach bowl was a great example i mean they were up 17 7 most of that game and they had a defensive touchdown they had a field goal come off a turnover offense really wasn't that good but you know they 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 put points on the board somehow, and then the defense just chokes the life out of you. Well, one of us will be right, so yeah. at least we can guarantee yeah. that. I'm picking with my heart. You know, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I uh, I'm not an Alabama fan, as you know, and I, I've uh, you know I've liked Deshaun Watson since he since he came in, and uh, I'd like to see him go out with a win. So you know, I'll, I'll admit my my head tells me to pick Alabama, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with emotion on this one. I'm going to go with my head and take Alabama. I know. Plus, I, I've heart. walked myself out on a, on a limb about Dabo Swinney. So I'm That's gonna... true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm a Dabo guy. I like it. I like him. Uh, I, did, I did. I don't know if you watched the, the entire Fiesta Bowl to see his postgame, but, boy, it was like reciting his resume up there. You know, you could tell he's got, a, he's got an agenda. He's driving that program. I mean, you know, it's the same thing Todd Graham's done and, uh, but it's always funny to, you know, when a coach kind of lets his hair down and starts telling you how good he is. And he was doing that, you know, he's telling you all about how good Clemson is. And, you know, he was he was talking to those recruits out there that, you know, thinking, should I go to Clemson or should I go somewhere more prestigious? He was saying, hey, we're just as prestigious as all those places. Well, speaking of recruiting, when you are a team that's not in the playoffs or a bowl, you have plenty <laughs> of time to coordinate your recruiting. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And. That's- that's blue sky optimism there. I like it. <laughs> well, we're in a we're in a 16-day window here where ASU has some big recruiting inflection points. Big yeah. things could happen. Yeah. So this Saturday, four-star running back Eno Benjamin out of Texas is going to announce um, during whatever high school all-star game is on Saturday. I think yeah, it's I the think this, all this is the Army game, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, in San Antonio, I believe. Yeah, and he's going to have five hats on the table. One of them's yeah. ASU. 
Others are closer to Texas, so yeah. it'll be interesting. Utah's in there. This is one of those moments like the great uh, Michigan-Ohio State coaching battle where it was like, well, if you're not going to come here, go to Notre Dame. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna come to ASU, don't go to Utah. That's sure. That's what I'm hoping. Sure, there. sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it. it uh, you know, knowing the position, we're gonna we're gonna have some uh, opportunities there. Maybe not next year, but certainly after that, because Balaj and Richard both both are seniors. So, um, you know, great great opportunity to get a lot of carries if if he wants it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know the other Texas schools that are hot for him, but certainly. You know, guessing Texas, Texas A and M, those type of schools. Um, well, and you got a Baylor in there. Okay, um, yeah. So those are those are tough to beat, especially for a, a kid from Texas. But the other thing that ASU's got going is, like you said, behind Balage and Richard, it's really Nick Ralston, and now with yeah. Lewis transferring, right? It's there's a lot of there. yeah. There's a lot of open yeah. questions in the backfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a a ready-made you know heir apparent. It doesn't appear, uh, you know. So yeah, you've got you've got this year and next year's classes to you know restock the cupboard because yeah, I mean there were there were high hopes for Jason Lewis. He was very highly regarded, and you know it just it never seemed like it was coming together. And obviously, it's it's not now at least at ASU. Um, so you know yeah, you've got you got openings uh, kind of similar to where we were with quarterback. You know, in the early years with Graham, where we went two straight years without one. And, like man, they, you know, there's there's plenty of options now. We're now we're loaded at that spot with bodies. We just hopefully there's one good one there. Yeah, and maybe a second one if the best one yeah. can only play in week five. Uh, yeah, I should <laughs> say. Hopefully there's hopefully there's you know two or three good ones, and there's there's one good one for this year, and then there's you know one for future years too. I mean, ideally you uh, you know you have a couple this year that can split the job, and then you know hopefully your Ryan Kelly or your DSC can take over in a couple years and you know keep things going then you get to probably the two most critical recruiting weekends for asu the weekend of january 13th and the weekend of january 20th this weekend as far as i can tell there's no official visits scheduled i don't know if that's because a lot of the targets are in all-star games or or what the deal is yeah yeah but on january 13th the number one receiver in ESPN's recruit recruit rankings, Joseph Lewis from mm-hmm. LA is visiting ASU. Yeah. Now I don't know if he's going to bail on that because he's got USC scheduled, and a lot of people believe that it's going to be between really Nebraska or USC for him. Mm, okay. But ASU brought in the number one ESPN rated wide receiver last year in Nikhil sure. Harry. And they brought in a quarterback who two years ago was the top rated yeah. or second rated pocket passer in the country. There are things you can point him to. I mean, look at Harry's production and now we're going to be doing it without Tim white moving right. forward. There's going to be an opportunity to immediately crack that wide receiver rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some, uh, there's some decent depth guys there that we've talked about over the, over the last few months, but Aside from Harry, there there doesn't appear to be a guy who's like a you know a tremendous difference maker. So yeah, I mean if you're up to the job, you'll have an opportunity. Yeah, as there is it at most of our positions. Like you said when we started this, this is a team coming off a of, you know not going to a bowl and the year before six and six. So there you know there shouldn't be very many positions where you're saying oh, that's that's loaded. We don't need anybody there. No, we we need help anywhere we can get it. 
The other guys coming the weekend of the 13th include another wide receiver, Marlon Williams, who is already committed to USC, and he is going to be visiting USC the weekend of the 27th. Yeah. And I kind of view this as a chance to pit the two against each other, Lewis and Williams, because USC's got a lot of depth and has a lot of talent, and they cycle through guys. If one goes there and the other goes there, it's going to be hard for the. There's still one football. Sure, sure. So I no, think. No, I mean, you, you, do, um, you do acknowledge that, you know, not to say USC is back to the Pete Carroll heyday, but. They're, they got a lot of momentum going for them right now. You know, I mean, they, they uh, back in the Rose Bowl, they get a big win. Uh, you know, they got a freshman quarterback who's the who's the rage of the country right now for what he did. Um, you know, so it's it's tough. I mean, you know, it's kind of reminds you back of of those Pete Carroll days where when you're recruiting against USC, you feel like you're uh, you're on an, an uneven playing field right now. That's absolutely true. I saw a thing on ESPN where they had uh, re-ranking the New Year's Six yeah. and had USC third. Now, yeah. that's a lot of revisionist history. But... Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. And, and look, they didn't, they didn't deserve to be in the playoff because the whole season counts. You know, I mean, I've heard the, the argument like, well, you know, you know, boy, they were playing so well. They lost three games in September and you, and you play the entire season. It's not, you know, and September's not exhibition. Um, and you know, they, they did do enough. Had they won one of those three and they would have won the PAC 12 South and if maybe they beat Washington, maybe they would have been in, but they, they didn't do it, you know? So that, you know, look, that's, that's the deal. But yeah, I mean, if, if you just ask me who's playing the best right now, you'd have to put them in the top four. I mean, the, the way they played down the stretch and, and then what they did in the Rose bowl, you know, was, was impressive. Two other guys were there. So there are four other recruits coming that weekend. You have a defensive end, Ali Gay, another wide receiver, Galvin Holmes. But then you've got ESPN 300 recruit Brad Stewart, who's a safety from New Orleans. And in the Mike Norvell era, New Orleans was a hotbed for right. ASU. And right. it'll be interesting to see, one, if we can keep it going, and two, what are we going to do with all these receivers? Because you're bringing everybody the same week. It's going to be tough to say you'll all get the ball. You'll all get reps. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that will be interesting. And obviously, um, you know, you, you say safety and I, my ears perk up because the, you know, of all the positions we need help at defensive back is probably the biggest priority. Well, and what makes it interesting is, so we have Brad Stewart coming in and, Tyon Merchants a corner. They're both coming on the week of the thirteenth, yeah. but then the next weekend on the twentieth, that's your that's your big target if you're an ASU person. That is your makeable goal, and that's yeah. KJ Jarrell from Saguaro. ASU's yeah. already got three other recruits committed from Saguaro. This kid's been sort of on the fence, you know. The uh-huh. it, to hear the three other guys talk, they said he almost committed when they all did on the same day. He really? said he wasn't. Okay. He said he never really was that close, but ASU's always been on the radar. Yeah, yeah. So he's coming in on the twentieth. He's expected to play safety. So I would assume that's where ASU wants him, to, given our need there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we gotta we gotta need at both spots, but obviously, you know, um, you've seen, you know, when our when our defense has been best, we've had pretty good safeties. We've never had great corners in this in this run. I mean, you know, we have. We have a guy who was a first-round pick at corner, but he didn't play corner in here. He played safety. So, uh, you know, it's sort of deceiving in that way. We, we, you know, our corners have always been sort of average. But we've had good safety play from Robert Nelson to Marius Randall 
And the last couple of years, we haven't really had that. Then the uh, the last guy uh, on the 20th so far is another local product, uh, defensive end from St. Mary's, Odua Isabor. And for me, the big news is not so much who is coming, but just that all of the top guys in Arizona now, you know, barring the one kid from Saguaro who committed to Wisconsin, right. will have at least taken official visits to ASU. And usually yeah. we got the, oh, I don't need to waste my official. And now we've moved into the, no, I'm coming. I'm interested. Sure. sure. And, and I think, you know, I mean, you can, you can connect A to B on, you know, the facility improvements that you're making. Um, and, you know, that, that gets people excited. You know, they... You know, back before you had this kind of new stuff and newfangled things, it was like, well, I've seen that stadium. I know what you got, you know. But when you've got, you know, you've got this supposedly great thing going at the north end now, and I don't know if it's done yet. I don't think it is, but it's it's in the process. Um, you know, that, that attracts interest because, hey, come see our new bells and whistles, and even the local kids don't know what it looks like. So, you know, I don't know if that's the reason behind everyone, but it can't hurt. It's going to be interesting. This is the month run up where, you know, coaches make their money. And as you talked about, where you're counting on the <laughs> whim of a 17 or 18 year old and yeah. who knows what parents going to not want you to sign with the school <laughs> or which right. kid's going to create a fake recruiting and have a signing day for a school that didn't it's, recruit him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you could possibly think of might happen. I mean, I've got eligibility. I might put a couple hats on the table and see what exactly. happens. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's worth a shot. Lastly, while we, we're going to switch over to ASU basketball, we sort of glossed over it, but Greg Powell won the pool. It's a, it's a pool that had the two of us and Greg. So the only, yep. there was a one in three chance that someone not on the podcast I know. would win. And I know, happened, I know. So. I'm, I'm upset that you extended that invitation because otherwise I would have felt like a winner. Now I just feel like a silver medalist, but that's okay. You know, all congratulations to him. On to ASU basketball. They actually split the opening road trip. They took the Pac-12 opener at Stanford. Yeah, yeah, they they did what we asked, which was win one of two, and uh, and played pretty well in the second game. Um, you know, kind of lost lost it at the end, but yeah, you know, a solid enough weekend. I mean, what does it mean going forward? I, we don't know that yet, but um, you know, not not shabby at all. You know, given given the way this team looked early in the year when they went away from home, when they went to Orlando for that tournament, and really were outclassed by Northern Iowa and Davidson, um, you know, and then some of the other games since then, you know, obviously Kentucky and Purdue ran them off the court. You kind of expect that, but um, yeah, you know, hopefully what we're seeing is the fruits of playing that tough of a non-conference schedule where now you're into the conference and you're more battle tested and you've been away from home. You've played on the road. You've played neutral site. You're not, you're not intimidated by going into Stanford and Cal. You can go play. Um, so, you know, solid enough opening weekend and hopefully it leads to more weekends like that. I mean, there is no moral victory, but they did get the actual victory over Stanford. Right. You know, Torian Graham's been playing great. And then in the Cal game with six minutes left, they were up one. Yeah. I mean, Cal yeah, pulled yeah, away yeah, at I mean, the end and the ASU kind of lost it. And you wonder if that has to do maybe with the fact that we're one player short in the rotation sure, now. Yeah. We're, we're lacking depth and, and we're lacking size and those things both, you know, are going to they're going to be problems. We've, you know, we've kind of talked about that all year, just like how we, you know, discussed throughout football, how our, you know, our shoddy defense was going to be a problem eventually. And it sure was, um, you know, so I think both of us are kind of on the same page with this year that, you know, we're not, we're not expecting this team to make a run to the NCAA tournament. 
Um, what we're looking for is growth, you know, and, and how is that growth going to be measured? It's hard to say. Uh, I've said this from the start this year that I, I didn't want to put a win expectation on it. I didn't want to say we need to get to this number or, or this spot in the Pac-12. Uh, I, I, you know, it's kind of I want to just see how things progress and at the end of the season take stock and hopefully then think we, we grew up in a lot of areas and we're ready for next year to hopefully be able to make a tournament run. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be like this every year. But I understand this year is is not the year to expect, you know, going to the Sweet 16. Just not going to happen. I agree. I think you need to look at individual performances and think, what will this translate? Are they improving? I yeah. think you're seeing a lot of growth in the guards. Every year, Trey Holder seems to get better. Same with Cody yes. Justice. And, and for me, the big thing is going to be, one, Vila looks like a rotation big. And that yeah. was critical with Obi being a senior. But uh-huh. if Jethro can get his foul his minutes per foul from even <laughs> to like six minutes per foul yeah, yeah that's huge yeah. agreed and i mean this this is uh you know it's baptism by fire for him this year he's being thrown in there and he's gonna be overmatched at times he has been already there's gonna be more there's gonna be more games this year where he you know fouls out in in eight minutes um, but you know, I, I just hope, you know, and, and right now it's just a hope, but you know, you hope that this leads to something that by next year and the year after and the year after he, you know, uses these experiences, learns how to play the game, learns how to avoid fouling, um, and gets better. And, and it's, it's proven that that does work. I mean, we're going back to previous coaching staff, but you know, some of our best success stories under Herb were guys who, initially looked totally lost um you know yeah there's James Harden and and you know he was great but some of those other guys you know the, you watch them as freshmen and you think boy these guys just don't look like they have a clue by the time they were juniors and seniors they're pretty good players um and and I'm hoping that's the case with him you know do I think he's going to be a lottery pick no but can he be a, a contributing good big in his junior and senior year I, that's my goal I mean, if he can get into the Bashinsky range where he becomes a legitimate shot blocker. Right. Without committing fouls, shot blocker, rebounder, who, you know, Bashinsky by the end could knock down free throws, was probably our most consistent free throw shooter. Uh-huh. If he can get, if Jethro can get to that where he's averaging, you know, eight, eight, and three blocks. Yeah. And yeah. can shoot 70% from the line. That's great. I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's what this year is about. It, it, it's about, you know, getting some of these guys more acclimated. I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got some decent players in Holder and Torrey and Graham and Shannon Evans. Um, but you've also got some young guys that they're not there yet, but you want them to get there. And, and so, you know, and I, I like the fact is, you know, we used to see this, and I kind of I worried that this would happen, that Jethro would be a guy who we'd see him play in the non-conference, and then by the time we started got, getting into January, he'd be buried on the bench. And maybe because there's no other option, I, I don't know, but he's playing. He's he's getting a lot of minutes. He's starting some games. Um, he's you know he's getting opportunities, and again, it's up and down. It's going to continue to be up and down. I don't want to say he's turned the corner. But I'm just glad he's getting those reps because I think they'll pay off in the long run. Well, he's learning, and it's the sort of thing like we talked about, you know, a long time ago with Eric Boateng yes. as a big who was growing into it. Where if 
Jethro was going to get pulled now the, at the first mistake. Now, when he's committed two fouls in two minutes, you don't really have a choice. But, sure, sure. You know, when he knows, like, okay, I'm going to get to play, and if I blow a defensive assignment or I get mm-hmm. – if I reach and I miss the block and it lets a guy blow by, it's okay. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you, you get better that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in anything, it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's sports or, or a job or whatever, if you're worried that, you know – your first mistake is going to get you into trouble and you're going to get fired or you're going to get suspended or you're going to get benched or whatever. You're not going to do well because you're going to be, you're going to be, you know, playing or working scared. Um, and yeah, we did see it with Boateng. Boateng would get in the game and he'd look, you know, ragged. He'd have a turnover and then he'd be parked, you know, parked on the bench for the rest of the game. And I always, you know, it probably helped us win some games maybe that he didn't play. Because his mistakes might have cost us games, but you know, it's like, man, he's never going to get any better if you don't let him work his way through mistakes. And eventually, they did, and he got better. Um, and and so that's that's what this year is for Jethro. I think to me, it's it's a it's a learning year. It's like playing a rookie quarterback or a freshman quarterback. You know, you you live with those mistakes, and you hope that by the time he's in year two and three, he's you know learned from them himself, and he's much better. Yeah, I mean, if you're always looking over your shoulder, thinking, if I make a mistake, I'm out, I can't make a yeah. mistake, you're no longer playing the game, you're just right. worried about making a mistake. Which is always an, an even bigger issue with a guy like him who hasn't played the game that much. You know, you gotta you got to teach him the, the feel of the game, too, because he's pretty new to the sport. So you really don't want to, you know, have him thinking too much because, you know, he's already probably thinking some just by the very nature of being new to the sport. He hasn't been playing the game since he was five, like a lot of kids. You know, they, they grow up with a basketball in their hand. That's that's not him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, again, maybe it's by virtue of not having anybody else to go to with Romello White being out and, and Shibble being out. And, there's you know, there's not many options. And sometimes, you know, that's rough for this year. But I think maybe it's a blessing in disguise going forward that he's got to play. You know, we have no choice but to keep giving him minutes and, and let him figure things out. And the nice thing is having a player like Obi who can, you know, take the brunt. He does, you know, sure. He doesn't need to come out that much. He can play thirty minutes a game, thirty-two minutes a game, if you need him to. Yeah, but, yeah, been a been a good find for sure. I mean, you you uh, you wish that he had more years um, because he's he's the kind of guy that could really make a great you know glue guy on a good team. You know, versatile, can play different positions, can play inside, outside. Uh, you know, but, but unfortunately, you know, his, his time's up after this year, right? Cause he's a, yeah. he's a senior. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's nice to have him. I wish he had, you know, a couple more years of eligibility to be here for hopefully when things turn, but you know, yeah, you, you appreciate what he brings to the table. Yeah. He feels like those guys who were here in the post Ike era. Yes. And it's like, wow, if he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't having to be our number one big man, yeah, he'd yeah. be a great guy. Like, yeah. sort of, almost like Surge after for that year after Ike left, where it's like all yeah. of a sudden he's playing it together. His knee was better, right, and all right. that. And Absolutely, it's, yeah. I mean, you throw a guy like him onto the you know the team we had with like Pendergraf and Harden, he'd have been a great fit. You know, he could have he could have played some small forward, some power forward. Um, you know, he, he could shoot from the outside. He could score inside if Pendergraft came out. You know, you, I mean, that was the best team we had since we went to school here. Um, and, and, you know, you just you, you wish 
he could play with a better team. It's not it's not in the cards, unfortunately, but yeah, he he would have been a nice you know number three piece for a good team. I mean, the downside is I believe uh, is it Evans or Graham who's also a senior. It's I think, I think it's, it's Graham. Graham. So you yeah, know, we're gonna lose those two guys who are key contributors this year, but they will help this young team find more wins. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's you know, and and. Uh, you know, you could you could listen to this if anybody is listening to this and say, boy, oh boy, this is the talk of a loser mentality. You know, I'm not really too concerned with how many games they win, but I'm not. You know, I mean, maybe it sounds like the Cleveland Browns this year, but I think you have to be realistic and know that we're a ways away. And and so I'm not going to say, well, they got to win 18 games because I'm going to be disappointed if I say that. So, you know, I, I'm looking for progress and growth and and I think we're seeing it over the course of this year from some ugly performances in November and December to, you know, right in the ship a little bit. Played well against Creighton. Didn't win, but played well. Um, good first road weekend in the conference. Gives you a little hope that, you know, maybe things are coming together just a little bit. And the other thing, if you're an ASU fan, it's not even so much glass half full as an honest assessment of being snake bitten a little bit. You know, Conliffe yeah. leaves. White's ineligible. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. well, those are two guys who, before the season started, you know, I was thinking those be, are contributors. Those are guys who are yeah, going to play minutes. starters or at least, you know, early off the bench type of guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was two of your three primary recruits, Jethro being the other one. And we knew how raw Jethro was. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a year where you kind of, you, you know, my expectations weren't that high in the first place. And then, you know, once White is ruled ineligible and you knew we didn't have much size, you know, then you already sort of water down what you're hoping for. And then, you know, Cunliffe wasn't the player we hoped, and now he's gone. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to be realistic. You know, I, again, you know, you could you could listen to this and say, man, you should expect more. Well, I, I think you know I do expect more in the big picture. I don't, I don't want to be this forever. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not going to, be unrealistic and say, "Oh, Bobby Hurley, you need to get this team to the to the NCAA tournament because he's not a miracle worker, uh, you know, and and only a miracle worker could do that." Yeah, it's it's not Kentucky or Duke or UNC or Kansas where or Arizona where the jersey right. name on the front will get the elite kids. Hurley exactly. put together a program where he's actually recruiting better than her, better than Rob Evans. Yes, yes, and it, and it just it just takes time. I mean. You know, it, it really does. It, it takes, you know, three to four to five years to, you know, recruit and, and find the right fits and and then have a pipeline, hopefully, that, you know, you keep recruiting well. That's what Herb didn't do. Herb got off to a great start. His first couple classes were excellent. They had a star and they had a lot of good role players and he couldn't build on it. And Hurley, I think, is trying to build something more sustainable. So it's just going to take time. And hopefully in, you know, January of 2019, when we're doing this, we'll look back and think, boy, you know, he's got it going now. Now we're headed in the right direction. We're a top 25 team. We're going to the tournament and, and we can make some noise, you know, but we just don't know yet. You just got to be patient with it. There are plenty of examples in the conference of teams sure. that have done that and turned the Absolutely. corner. You know, USC, we- you know, I mean, how bad USC was. And, and then last year they got in the tournament, this year they're top 25 team, you know, and it, it just took patience. Well, and, and the slip Cal had between Montgomery and Quanzo Martin. Right, 
Right. You know? Yeah. Or yeah, Oregon. I mean, I mean, look at what Dana Altman yeah, did with the Oregon yeah. program. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just it just takes patience because you're right. It's it's not Kentucky. You know. I mean, Kentucky had a a down period, and then they got John Calipari, and he came in, and and in the blink of an eye, he got you know John Wall and Marcus Cousins, and they were you know a, a great team in his first year, and they've continued on. That's not the way it is here. I wish it was. You know, I think we both do. I think we both wish that we could go get, you know, three or four five-star kids every year and just have a pipeline of great talent and get to the Final Four every year and be disappointed when we made the Sweet 16. But that's not what we are. So you, you have to know who you are and just try to, you know, make the best of what you've, what you've got. Yeah, get pointed in that direction. That's what yeah. he's done. So that's going to do it for us. We're going to take the conversation offline to talk about grown-up things. <laughs> but but we'll be back uh, next week. We'll talk about what happened with the Bulls. We'll see if anything's shaping up in recruiting. And obviously the college basketball season's heading into conference for everybody. So we'll yes, talk indeed. about that. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. Ben and Matt Sportscast.